welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. My guest today is Kirsten Witz- Witzel. How do you say your last name? Witzel. It's Kristen Weitzel. Weitzel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kristen is something I've been fo- uh, someone I've been following for a long time as far as a source for wellness information, especially relating to uh, uh, which I would like you to explain uh, more yourself, uh, Kristen, but um, especially to relate to health and uh, women's health and biohacking. Yeah. So this is uh, something I'm super, super excited to talk about. Uh, so uh, Kristen, do me a favor. Um, tell us a little bit about what you are involved in, what you're doing, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Kristen Weitzel. I run a business called Warrior Woman Mode, and I transform women from the edge of burnout into powerful warriors that they're always meant to be. And I use fitness and nutrition and biohacking to do that. And that feels like a, a kind of a large landscape, I imagine. The, the term biohacking encompasses a lot of ancient practices mixed with modern technology or technological innovation, but um, really working heavily in the space of understanding female physiology and how we can build the most effective and efficient healthy systems, you know, all built into building energy levels and getting better longevity scores across the board. And it's, it's why I'm here in the world. My peak expression is to get us to get women to feel better faster and step into their, their next best health. That's, that's great. And I love that you described that this is your, you know, in other words, your, your purpose or, or your, you're carrying a sense of purpose when you're doing that, which is really cool. And there are even uh, studies pointing to longevity benefits when you're engaged in something that is your passion. And, and yeah, it's a self-feeding uh, loop. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, I would love to start at the beginning. How did you end up, you know, um, focusing on, on biohacking specifically and women, women's, women's health specifically? What uh, drove you into that? niche yeah i mean of course so i'm a female right and so i i grew up as a dancer and i tell i tell that story a lot just about the transition of understanding early on how or wanting to understand how i can feed my body nourish my body and still keep the physique i needed in order to be a ballerina of some sort and also just being really curious about different styles of eating i owned a juicer when i was like 18 and i was figuring things out and trying all these different diets and lifestyles. But what I, what I really think is important to talk about or focus on is that I, a lot of my upbringing in the health and wellness industry um, and people I learned from, especially when you look at biohacking in the last, let's say 11, 12 years, was, was really predominantly led, the, the pathways were forged by males. And so I got to see a lot of that and that it sort of mirrored what was happening to me when I was Uh, in corporate America for a while. And for a number of years, I I walked into divisions and worked and ran brands across the United States and consumer packaged goods, but all it was would be me and 18 men in a division. And there was just a lot of male energy in the way that things were being done and communicated. I learned how to communicate, uh, let's just say with a bit more masculine energy or effective communication, because that's what I was having to communicate with was male bosses and eventually being bosses, a boss of men. And so, um, a number of years, I, I was navigating all of that. And it really, 
I started noticing when women came more into the industry I was working in, and then I started working with more women, and then I got more into health and fitness, just as a passion point and training and certifications that I was having, I almost had overcorrected so that I was like not understanding how to communicate the most effectively and wonderfully with females. And I was not understanding how my body and my energy levels were working in the office or like while I traveled and I had a very big and something to this day, I continue to work on this, like go hard philosophy, no pain, no gain, you know, really, you know, while I love the sensibility of some of this, like gritting it out and getting it done, it's also not the thing that serves us as females the best. We have to recognize that we are as powerful as we are as women, we are also as equally as sensitive. And that's something that um, over the years I had to navigate to be able to, to re, reacclimate my communication and get in touch with my feminine side. And still something, like I said, I work on every single day. And it gave me this really strong stance and understanding that I wanted to get out into the world and have women feel like they could be, their voices were heard, their bodies were accepted that I could help reduce shame in the world. And um, a number of years ago, I was traveling all around the world training for this fitness format. And I would watch, it was, it was training coaches and new, new instructors. And I, it was probably 95% females that were coming to these trainings to learn how to instruct this fitness format. And I learned very quickly across all nationalities, all walks of life in all countries, women going around the room and introducing themselves. And what I, what I saw mostly was women selling themselves short women sort of introducing themselves in a way that felt apologetic in the words that they use that that maybe they talked about their families or that they were they were learning and they but they weren't really good at anything and then they wanted to be and I just started to think how not okay that was you know how not I saw these women I had I, in order to put them in the course I like I would look at all of their social profiles and all these wonderful things they were doing in the world and Many times, quite often, I would say, hey, would you mind if I introduced you to the room now? Or I would, you know, maybe poke them or prod them a little on something that they said because I wanted them to understand that they're this, their own unique, beautiful creature and that the way that they speak about themselves, not only does the room here, but you're listening, right? Your own brain is listening, your own chemistry, your own neurons, your own everything is listening, right? Your, your body keeps the score of what you say and the things you hold on to. And so how do we speak about ourselves in a way that feels strong and clear and that confidence is okay to have and this doesn't mean you know this doesn't mean that men don't have you know moments of imposter syndrome and all that the things but when I sit in a room corporate executives or fitness instructors of males and they go around and introduce themselves or speak to about their business and their work there's a difference um, and this is generalizing of course not every man and woman but there's a difference in the way men sort of come to the table and speak about themselves that there is a, a, a bit more of a, a strong presented confidence and capacity. And uh, I find that to be less true around females. And so I, I, the, the bit, this is a long answer to just say, this is why I continue to want to work with women in the world because I've been through some of the trials and tribulations myself of navigating that because I have um, had some you know, nervous system reset stuff in my own body as a woman. And because every single woman on the planet uh, you know, in my, in, in the expression of my work, it's for women, doesn't mean men don't deserve this as well, but every single woman on the planet deserves to be able to stand in her own beauty and her own power and her own softness and recognizing that there is strength in that. And there is a, a really unique thing that they bring to the world. And I want them to have all the credit and none of the shame. And that's how we make, you know, that's how we heal the planet. I think, you know, I, 
I agree with you in, in many levels. First of all, um, you know, there is a need uh, for um, different perspectives that different people can, can really relate to. Uh, in, in your specific specialty, you're talking about women, but really, if we take, if we take an endeavor that's continuously growing, you need people who specialize in, in, in different areas. This is obviously 50% of any of, <laughs> of the biohacking community. So it's not really a specialized area, if you, if you would, but there is enough knowledge there that you need someone that's, that, that has their finger on the pulse continuously, continuously learning, continuously enriching their knowledge in that specific area in order to serve a specific community better. So I, I definitely salute that. Um, mm. Now the question is, you, you did speak uh, quite, you know, the majority of what you spoke right now is about the mental aspect of, of uh, the difference between uh, ma males and females in a, in, a, in a social, let's say, environment. Yeah, there are, but there are repercussions as far as, as physical attributes and the way that we address, you know, for example, working out or, or, or you know what, I, I don't even uh, put words in, in, into your mouth. What are, when you're looking at, at an attempt to improve someone's life, a, a woman's life, what are the differences between the general approach, okay, the, the approach we were, I'm not even saying the male dominated approach, mm -hmm. but the general approach right now and woman-specific approach to health optimization for that matter, or however you would like to define it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we'll talk about it in a health optimization um, categorization. I, I, you know, the, the biggest thing I wanna talk about first is fitness, right? Women are showing up to me quite often saying, I'm in, I'm on my Peloton seven times a week and I'm running and I'm, I'm doing all this cardio and I'm, stretching and getting steps in. And it's like, some of that is good. And then also we're sort of killing ourselves slowly by doing, not doing this thing, which is like, I, I, I might call it fitness variance. So I, whenever I work with a client one-on-one -on -one and in my online course, creating fitness variance is quite important for us. Meaning we need to have some cardio. We need to also have some steady state cardio and some sprint work. We need to be doing the one thing that women do not do enough across the board, which I always see, which is lifting heavy things. Right, heavy is, is relative and also how do we lift heavy things and continue to grow our capacity to lift heavy things in a way that is safe, right? Resistance training and, and HIIT training and, and, and all of that. You know, how do we mix and, and stretching like yoga and FRC and range of motion and how do we work all those things in with the time that we have and um, make it all as fun as possible. And I think there is that, that piece of fitness variance that's quite important. And then there's the other piece, which is something that I'm known for talking about, which is talking about women who are, of course, I work with women in all sorts of stages of life. I work with plenty of menopausal women, perimenopausal women to help figure out ways that they do not lose muscle mass. But working with women who are still in their reproductive years, you know, there are ways that we can capitalize on the hormonal profiles that we have during different types of the month to be able to build more muscle faster, to be what biohackers would call or health optimizers would call more effective and more efficient in the work that they were doing. So why spend six hours if you can spend three hours? Why spend you know, all this extra time if you have days that you can capitalize on the way that your hormone profile is in order to build more muscle capacity? Because there are about eight days a month that we can work 
to be able to, the research varies anywhere from like 33, 30, 33 to 45% more, more opportunity for muscle growth during a specific set of days, eight days or so in our cycle, where we have high levels of estrogen and versus any other time in the month. So why would I not do like slower, heavy lifting during those, that period of time in order to be able to potentiate the muscle that I can grow? So from a fit, fitness standpoint, we have that capacity almost aligned with this other like nutritive capacity, which is like what we're, we can also, we can glu uptake glucose a little bit more during that period. So it's like these two things go really well hand in hand because our muscles love to feed off glucose. So, so how can we like navigate that to be able to create recovery, to be able to like understand how to do fitness in that way. And that's like a key tenant that I work with women on. Um, the other baselines that are really important are make, making sure we're getting enough sleep. If you look at most of the studies, you know, that are out there knowing that science is great and it's always out and changing and there's other evidence pieces and we all as females and even males in the world need to manage our own selves as an experiment of one. But we tend to need more sleep as females. We tend to be more sensitive to anxiety and stress and depression as females. And again, we are very powerful and we are also equally as sensitive as women. And so when we look at our food and we look at our fitness training and we look at our breath and our breath in alignment with our hormone cycle, there are times during the month when our breath, when we have less capacity to uptake oxygen, right? That's a longer rabbit hole of a science story, but it's about our carbon dioxide tolerance, what we can take in, what we can hold on to, and how that oxygenates our tissues. But the more oxygenating, you know, the more oxygen that gets into our cells and our bodies and our tissues and our organs, the, the better levels of energy, the better capacity for breath we have, the better um, mechanism to breathe into our lower lungs to be able to feel, you know, better, faster, stronger, less pain, etc. And so understanding this beautiful creation and superpower of being a woman in a physiological sense is something that is, um, it's not easy, right? It's like, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And it also has not been talked about a lot that there are solid, we all know the differences between men and women physiologically. There's not enough conversation still, even though it's growing, which is so, I'm so thankful for people like Stacey Sims in the world, you know, being on the shoulders of giants of, of women like her who spoke about how to train with your cycle and what's going on in being a woman and what the fallacies are about aging and female strength. Um, you know, and being able to have these conversations more and more and like men like you and coming to the table and saying, let's talk about it. You know, it's like, this is, this is an important conversation about how we can shift. Uh, you know, fasting is different for us. When we look at our reproductive years, we have this whole hormone cycle that we need to contend with and it's beautiful and we need to optimize what we're doing at certain times of the month in a, in a very different way than males do. Um, and then when you look at perimenopause and menopause, where we're shifting our state and our cycle and our hormones are fluctuating even more, we, well, we have to understand that there is a, a, you know, there's sort of this like thing like, oh, I'm getting older and I guess that's it. It's all downhill from here or something. And there, there are ways to be able to maintain and um, mitigate muscle loss and the way your body's developing, shifting fat on it and things like that as you age also, right? Just like there are for men. It's like, a, what do we do for our longevity? So there are so many things, right? There are so many ways that we can work beautifully with our physiology and with our monthly cycle or the stage of a life that we're in. And knowledge is power. That's why I have a job in the world because I wanna go sort through all the data and bring it to women. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, first of all, 
uh, it's definitely a, a, a becoming more and more of an aggregator's world. You know, it's not only about uh, um, the accumulation of knowledge. Really, it's 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 um, about accessing and, and being able to communicate the knowledge that that you have, and you're doing it beautifully. Um, it seems like seems like at a push of a button, you know, you can you can get you can get uh, a list of what to do and what what not to do, and and which is very which is very unique. The question is, um, you, I, I assume you're getting uh, you're getting clients in many in many levels of their lives, you know, different different demands and different body types. Is are there are there demands that you see that are more popular than others? Like what are a few um, a few of the more common um, complaints people have or, or things that they want to fix with your help? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of women that come to me. I, I never use the word weight loss, um, but women that come to me, they want to change their physique. Quite often that's built upon a, a notion of them wanting to have fat loss, um, mm -hmm. which is more important to talk about than weight loss because fat loss is what people are actually looking for. And I say, great, I'll give you that. You know, I'll teach you how to do that. Uh, come to me and I'll show you the ropes on how to do that. But I'm also going to give you what, you know, that's what you want. But I'm also going to give you what you need, which is an understanding of nervous system response and breath work and some biohacking tools and some efficient, effective ways that we can shift our state and cold exposure, right? I'm an ice bath queen. And so I love that, um, or cold showers. Um, I work a lot with red light therapy devices like the flex beam and have some panels in my house and things about boosting mitochondrial function and longevity. Women a lot lately are coming to me. It's been really the last two weeks, especially this time of year, right? Because everybody's looking at what am I gonna do in January to change my health? Um, I've had a lot, a lot of calls with women that are saying, look, I just hit 40 and my energy levels are falling off. My body physiology and the way I'm processing food is not the same. I can't tolerate fitness in the same way. I, I just don't feel like my, my old self. And they, they know and don't necessarily want to be like their 25 year old selves. They have a different life and different capacity and, and things like that. But they're, they're starting to see the, um, in many ways, I think what a lot of it has to do with is like HPA axis or cortisol response, or just being stressed to the max for so long that their bodies are just like, I cannot manage that anymore. And so they're, they're having some give up areas. And so those things, you know, I like to do labs with clients as much as I can, as much as they will allow to define some of those things, but just understanding that energy and, um, self-love and like feeling good in their bodies right because this is like we're talking about the biohacking beauty podcast right it's like yeah. beauty really starts a lot from the inside because we can stand and walk with our held, heads held high we can sort of radiate through our our, our exterior external selves and our skin and our eyes like a, a, a level of beauty that can be built from the inside and if we're not getting the right appropriate rest and our energy levels aren't high and we're not feeling like our best selves it's hard to walk around and say, okay, I'm the most beautiful version of myself, you know? And that, um, that comes up quite a bit. It's been coming up a lot the last couple of weeks. I've, I've, I've spoken to a couple of women, two or three women even that I, I wanna say to them, I don't on the calls, but like, oh, if you just heard that this is, I'm just making up this name, that I talked to Janet, you know, the day before and Janet's story is exactly the same as, let's say, you know, Juanita's and it's like, it's the same story and I want them. And this is why I also have an online course called wow factor, because it's like you're in an online course with a community of women and you have me coaching you zoom calls twice a month. So it's different than my one-on-one -on -one coaching where we talk every day and it's all personalized and customized, but it's still highly in a com community of women where 
the best thing that we can learn and understand is that we are not alone in this. You know, it's like a, a mirror image conversations are happening. So how do we cheer each other on instead of underserving each other? How do we recognize that there's like one source? There's like only one thing and we are all it for all humankind. And also as women, we can bond together and really be, yeah, like, you know, sometimes you're having a rough day. It's really nice to talk to someone who goes, I know exactly what that's like. And just to like, listen and, and, and you know, purport things that are going to make you feel better on the inside so you can shine on the outside. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it's, it's almost like you're building a, a community that, that can lean on each other. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is uh, beautiful. So, so are those communities, um, um, you know, do, do they continue past your, you coaching them or is it something more that is concentrated around the specific coaching uh, modality? Yeah, I mean, I have, so I work with women in one of two verticals, typically. Um, I, I have an online course called Wow Factor. And that course is, people who get into it get lifetime access. It's very easy to find on warriorwomanmode.com or at warriorwomanmode on Instagram, which is most people are following me there. You get into the course and with along with that course, which is 12 modules, they release a module every couple of weeks. One's on nutrition and fitness and setting your intention and understanding your baseline of sleep and lab work. And, and we really cover the gamut, cold exposure, breath, everything. I spent a lot of time putting together videos and audio and co copywriting this course because I wanted to aggregate, like you spoke about before, the, mo the best of the best data. And I have it in a system where I can update it live time. So as new science and research and podcasts and things are coming out, I can add all these tools into the mix, uh, resources, et cetera. But part of that course is that women are getting in the group and for a year they have this online coaching portal with me and so that we get on calls twice a month and we can talk about the real shit. We can talk about what's working, what's not. They can ask questions about what's going on in the course. And quite frankly, many of them I'll DM on Instagram or we have each other on text when things come up you know, around, hey, I just got tested positive for like COVID. How do I fix this? Or what are the protocols, anything? Um, I have a woman who's in remission from uh, cancer and so, in that group, we all cheer her on when she had to go once a year to get her checkup and she's still clean, you know? And so we're like, and, and all of that is, I think community, that aspect of women in community and really feeling welcome and heard and not judged and, and that you can show up with all the good and the bad and the celebration and the stress, that's something that's rare. And so that, that course lives beyond, it's uh, the women sort of have created relationships beyond me in, in many ways. Um, and then I work, uh, like they're tagging each other on social media and like I'm like why aren't you tagging me like they're becoming friends digitally and whatnot and we're doing a retreat in February together but um, the course you know the other way I work with women which is a, a, a lot more intensive and also um, very right on for some people who want to make a commitment like financially and with time to be able to really dig into their health and well-being um, many of the people who work with me are one-on-one -on -one clients and those clients have businesses or are entrepreneurs that they just can't make the specific time calls or, or do the self the self study that's required with the course. So I really do a lot of handholding and customization for 13 weeks. We speak on text every single day. So you gotta be ready to work with me when it comes to that, right? And at the end of working with me, all of those women have access to the course and the calls for another nine months. So like, then it's people who have gotten other knowledge and more customization weaving themselves in with women who are in the course. And it just, it starts to blossom into its own thing. And that, um, 
and that feels great. And it feels like, and of, of course I work with women one-on-one -on -one that are like, great, I'm in the course. And they're like not active in the community as, as much as others, but it's always there for them to access. They always can reach out to me or reach out to other women in the group. And like, this is what it's about for me is how do we get in this together, right? Cause we're better together. We're learning together. Women will bring up things in the course like, oh, I'm doing these, um, these uh, you know, blood flow restriction cuffs and I'm walking and how's that work? And it's like, great. I have a lot of experience with that as like Kristen um, in my own personal fitness experience, but I don't coach and talk a lot about that. So like it, it continues to spur me on to do more research and to get more into that and bring things back to the table and then have her be a voice, you know, a voice piece for that. So it's like, yeah. these are all the ways that we learn to age gracefully and to be more beautiful as women together, you know, inside and out. And I mean, that that's it to me, right? It's like, yes, it's a business. Yes, I'm, I'm coaching people and they pay me to do that. But the, the end game is how do we, you know, you and I met, it's like, you saw me speak a bit, but it's like, how do we get everyone to really start talking about women's health more and women talking to each other in a way that feels like no shame and really open, with an open mind. And, and, you know, knowledgeable and with a, with a sense of, uh, I assume, yeah, a sense of direction as far as, you know, you, you, you're kind of leading the, the, uh, the drip of information, which seems like you're creating an, a, a monster, an organism that, that, that can, can develop on its own, it's, which is, you know, pretty inspiring to think about. Yeah. I hope I'm creating a monster, a powerful monster of like soft yeah. and strong women that are like, ah, let's do this and teach other women more things that, yeah. that they can learn faster and younger. Yeah, and and uh, that's the best type of, um, I, I think, the best type of community, a community that really allows or pushes you to grow. This is definitely a muscle that would be very difficult to develop on your own the the uh the uh overcoming obstacle muscles muscle definitely needs or you know you uses inspiration very well um so it's it it sounds like 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 its own thing almost like this community um so do you do you find that um there are things that, for example, in the community, do you find that there are specific tools? We can talk about biohacking tools. Obviously, this is this is the the the, the nerd in us wants to jump into that. But <laughs> is there is there a, are tools that you see that repeatedly produce good results? In, in because you have quite a large sample size, right? You you're you're, you're yeah. you kind of can get do your own field tests. So what some of the technologies? What what are some of the the habits that you found that work across yeah. the board. Yeah, I mean, across the board, I'd be remiss to not mention sleep. It's like, yes. we're all learning about sleep more and more. We're all kind of in that knowledge space of saying, okay, cool, sleep is a thing. As Molly McLaughlin will say, right? Her podcast is sleep is a skill. It is a skill and it can change your life. Yeah. Um, I, but when we're talking about biohacks and tools, you know, they're things that I really firmly believe in breath work and cold exposure. I'm a big ice bath queen and really continue to try to bring breath work to the table more and more mm -hmm. because breath work is really easy to access. We don't all have access to an ice bath. We all can typically get a cold shower, but breath work is, is predominantly free if you know how to use it well, um, what protocols are gonna serve you best. It's like adjusting your nervous system, adjusting your state in the world. And um, 
that's not an innovative technology, but that's something that is just a, from a baseline standpoint, something I see high levels of success in reduction of depression, stress, and anxiety, um, and just joyful thinking in general, right? Really be able to shift your state. Um, cold exposure, I, I think, builds a lot of capacity and confidence as well as I know that cold exposure, after putting thousands of people in the ice myself, live and in person, I, I, I know that cold exposure really shifts our physiological state as well as our body composition. It just makes change. It just really um, is undeniable from the whites of your eyes to how much, you know, your body, your metabolism gets boosted and your, your, your body fat percentage shifts in, in, the, in the direction that you want it to. We build more brown adipose tissue, longevity benefits, and just physique transformation. It, it comes pretty, pretty fast with, with consistent ice, ice baths. And um, I'm always impressed by that. Um, if I'm going to dig into like some of the nerdy tools, like I'm a big proponent of red light therapy. I work with, I carry the flex beam around everywhere I go. And I use that at night. I use that for tactile feedback and breath work. I use it everywhere. Um, I also have red light devices that I use specifically on my skin for my face, because that's a little bit type of different skin and panels and things that I use to sit in front of because build, building and boosting mitochondrial health is so important. Um, and specifically with the flex beam, it's like recovering muscles that I'm working out a lot and um, helping me get to sleep at night, just settling me in. Really, I see massive benefits from that. Um, and then like, I've been really hot for technology that is, I, I'm just, I just interviewed a guy, uh, Mike Polano from ARX, who's the chief technology officer and the ARX machine is really becoming a big piece of my life uh, because I have access to it here in Austin. I'm about to do an eight week trial in the new year where I'm on the ARX, both cycling with my cycle and about two times a week. It's just dependent on where I'm in my cycle um, as really keeping my nutrition where it is, keeping my, my baseline, you know, a couple times a week in the ice bath, two or three times a week in the ice bath, which is normal for me, but just really layering in the ARX and, and, and getting rid of all my other fitness training during that time to see what I can do from a woman standpoint, like a woman who's just over 40, how can I build muscle, right? And so doing a DEXA scan before and after, tracking my progress along the way, channeling it with my cycle, and then really understanding it's like they just had studies done with ACE, um, which is a certifying body here in the United States, um, the American Council on Exercise that really just showcases the power of eccentric movement and that their technology happens to be accessible to me in a way to be able to understand that eccentric movement really is game changing for our muscle building capacity development and um, the way that we can do like be effective and efficient. It's so much less time than going to a gym for an hour a day, six days a week, which is like has been my MO for a long time. The, the ARX sounds amazing, but you, you, did, uh, you did mention a few technologies. Mm -hmm. So um, let's, let's, you know, go over them in case people haven't heard about them before or, you know, you know, are not, are in the process of educating themselves on them. Perfect. So firstly, when you're talking about cold exposure, my first question, obviously, if someone's interested in the most effective way, the easiest way, whatever it is, wh why should they have... Uh, you know, an ice bath, or uh, is cryotherapy enough? Um, you know, what's what's different as far as your your a woman's body is concerned, or a person's body is concerned? For sure, yeah. So for cold exposure, or deliberate cold exposure, or ice baths, or cold plunges, or whatever we want to call that, because it's got a lot of different names. 
All of that is about creating a minimum effective dose of cold to the system. And when you look at the science, there is definitely a difference between cold showers, cryotherapy, and ice baths. And I would say that ice baths are putting yourself, submerging yourself in ice cold water. That's typically sub 40 degrees Fahrenheit. I plunge around 33 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that's where we see most of the long-term benefits, right? The brain chemistry, the capacity, just mental toughness, um, brown adipose tissue, shifting your cellular health, cold shock proteins folding better, things like that are happening in this long-term way from the ice bath. Whereas when you look at cryo or cold showers, it's much more short-term benefits. It doesn't mean those things are bad. It just means that I, I know I can get all the benefits from an ice bath. And if you have access to that, which not all of us do, uh, many people do right now, this time of year when it's winter, like they can do cold swimming and things like that. If you have access to it, then get in it. And if you don't, then you do what's the next best thing, right? Which is cryotherapy or cold showers. And cold showers are pretty cheap and cheerful because if we all have a shower at home, hopefully, then we can take a cold one. Um, helping with sleep, helping mitigate soreness from the gym, um, helping just uh, boost our energy for the day. Uh, it's also not bad to take a cold shower an hour or so before sleep because you have a rebound from that, which will help you sleep well. Same thing with cryotherapy. So so there, there are benefits to that. I think um, I'm less concerned with daily usage of those things for females when it comes to cold showers or ice bath, uh, sorry, cold showers or cryotherapy. Um, but I am conservative on cold exposure when it comes to ice plunging for women because I think uh, many women are dealing with estrogen dominance, hormone dysregulation and things like that, whether it be like endocrine blockers, things that are happening outside of us um, environmentally or things that are happening inside of our body because of some other dysregulation happening. We're on birth control or we're trying to get pregnant or like whatever things are going on. And so I think that men can tolerate ice in you know, cold, cold exposure a bit more easily than women. That has to do with their more consistent hormone profile on a 24 hour basis. Um, also, we are as women equally as sensitive as we are powerful. And so we need to remember that. And we tend to be more susceptible to stress and depression and some things of that nature. So when we're getting in the ice, it could be that it's not an optimized day for us to really get into that level of stress for our body. And so that goes for anyone, but for women specifically, because we tend to be slightly more sensitive to those things. And there's, there's really no need, in my opinion, to get in the ice every day. And I've done it. I've done 34 days straight in an ice bath. And around day 19, my hormones went wonky because I was measuring them and blood work and things like that every two weeks. And so, uh, and also just like my period came early, like all these things were happening. And so it's an N1 experiment for me too, right? So anecdotally, this is much more about anecdotal me and watching clients go through this versus a lot of research because there's not a ton around females in their reproductive years in cold that's consistent. But we're, you know, we learn more and more too that ice baths have a benefit. What we're seeing, even though Western medicine is saying, oh, you have endometriosis or you have Raynaud's disease or you have a, an autoimmune condition. And again, like I'm not a medical doctor. I need to make sure that I say that aloud. But what I see myself and some of the other women who are consistently coaching ice baths, which there are fewer of us than there are men, but we're watching with our female clients, them mitigating, it's hard to use the word cure, but mitigating and really minimizing symptoms and conditions that are in that autoimmune realm in that, you know, Raynaud's for a very long time was, Raynaud's is like a, when you're having trouble with circulation and doctors would say, don't go into, into extreme temperatures, but actually what we're seeing is 
um, people who are trying it because they're like nothing else works if they try it and then it actually is like clearing some of their conditions or symptoms and that's really exciting to see especially with things like Hashimoto's and other autoimmune conditions um, again not a ton of of major amounts of science and research being done on that and we're seeing people's lives change and so that the cold is doing something right and thank goodness for people like Wim Hof in the world who have really popularized getting in the cold and and using breath to be able to um, stimulate our, our auto our, our, our immune system and to be able to really like help us feel better but I say that because I think it's important to know that cold is really great and I, I also with the women I work with um, I tend to be a little bit more conservative you know I don't I don't ever get in an ice bath more than four or five days a week at this point and and I'm an ice bath queen like I, I have one in my backyard I have a Morosco Forge I'm super lucky to have this like gold standard of a, of a unit but I'm coaching people here all the time. And I even watch my own stress levels and my own hormonal levels to be sure that I'm not overdoing it. But yeah, this beautiful cold exposure is a beautiful, beautiful practice if you can get your hands on it and you're willing to. And it's like anticipation of the cold is way worse than the actual practice of it itself. Many people are like, I'll take a cold shower, but I'm afraid of it. You could just, you can start with an ice bath. It's fine. You just, no, no one says you have to stay in for any longer than you're comfortable. Yeah. So. Is there a quick and easy, you know, way to assess uh, if it's a good day for you to go or not to, to go into the ice bath or not? Or is it more about intuition, about how you're feeling? Um, I think it's always important for, for females specifically, but I think it's important to, to check in with your intuition. I also think that sometimes we get confused with intuition and um, our capacity. So um, people, you know, women will say to me around food, around cold, or whatever. I just, I just, it, I, intuitively, it didn't feel like a good day to <laughs> to eat well, to go in cold. Yeah. And sometimes it's like a fear response. Sometimes it's like, what are you really trying to avoid, right? Like you need mm -hmm. to kind of face the music on stuff. But um, but that's not to say that intuition is the most important gift that we have. For sure, it is. But finding you know, we need to be able to do hard things. And part of the reason that ice and cold is challenging for many people is because we have to figure out when is an appropriate time. I will say this, if you know that your stress load is high, if you didn't sleep very well, if you did two training sessions at the gym that day, if you're running around like crazy, if you're, if you're wildly under the weather, then maybe it's not the time to get in the cold, right? But there are also moments in my life where I feel like I have a high level of stress and the very best thing in that day for me would be spend even just two or three minutes. Normally I'm like six minutes plus in the water, but two or three minutes, because as I get in the cold, I'm like forced into the now I can really check in with myself. I can actually feel how high or low my stress is. I can manage it all with my breath because we are not in an ice bath to get good at taking ice baths. Let me be real clear. We're going and doing this minimum effective dose of cold because we want to not get good at ice baths, we want to get good at life and managing stress in life and adapting to stress and becoming anti-fragile. And yeah. so even a couple minutes in it, I can really check in, like, what's the cold teaching me right now? How am I releasing and surrendering into this? Where am I? You can't think about much else when you're sitting in 35 degree water. Yeah. So you can really check in with yourself and say, okay, cool. This is where I'm at and gut check if it's time to get out or you can stay in or, you know, how you can utilize your breath to calm your nervous system state. And then when you get out, this is the big win is like when you get out, your body has a parasympathetic rebound. And so 
I really love to ice bath at night because it gives me the, the capacity to sleep better. And it also makes me feel really sweet and, and joyful after I get out. And that's your body's response from being like, we survived, it's cold and we did it and we're fine. Um, so yeah, like it's a, it's, a, it's a great question and it's a little bit of a rabbit hole based on the day to day. The one thing I will say specifically for women is, I just don't think you need to do it every day. Understood. Yeah. Understood. So um, would you say, you know, start low and slow, like start once a week or, or you know, when you, when you emphasize, you know, not doing it every day, what's, what, how much? Yeah, if you have access to an ice bath, I think two to three times a week are great, is great, are great. I think women ask me all the time, like, well, this, I'm getting my period or I'm doing this or this part of my cycle, when is good to be in or not in the water? Um, I don't think there's a definitive answer to that. I think that um, if you're having like cramps and a lot of PMS and things like that, there, there are many, many times where I've seen women go in the ice that way that actually helps with pain management, helps them sort of reconnect to their breath because in some ways we have different times of the month when we're breathing less effectively and efficiently. That's just comes along with our hormone profile. So getting in the ice at those times or getting in the ice when they have their period actually is helpful. And then there's just some days where a woman might feel like, no, like I just, there's not one single part of me that wants to even deal with the cold. And then like, that's when intuition comes into play. So um, two to three times a week is, is, is what I typically coach people to do. If it's cold showers, if it's cryo, you could do a little more. It's all about access, you know, to what you have access to. If you have the capacity to have an ice bath in your house, to have a trough, to have ice, to have friends, to do whatever, once or twice a week, awesome. I have, I happen to have, like I said, this Morosco Forge in my backyard. It's cold, self-chilling, self-filtering, and ozonated. It's like the, the most gold standard you could ever have. And it's years for me before I was like, okay, I can finally like afford it and get it. And now I use it with clients all the time. So I have the beauty of having it here. So am I going to get in it four times a week? Yes, I'm going to. But before this, I had an ice trough and I had to go to the store and schlep ice, like a little mini workout up three flights of stairs to my rooftop in LA before I moved to Tex Austin, Texas. And that's another thing, right? I had to say, okay, am I ready to go to the store and spend $12 on ice and carry it up the stairs? And sometimes it's helpful to have a friend do it with you, you know, yeah. so you can enjoy the time together. Yeah. It's another type of uh, exercise. But so, so from one, you know, extreme technology to to another um i don't know if it's extreme but you mentioned that you're you that you love light therapy and, and we're we're you know that's one of my passions as well and you mentioned specifically you well you did mention panels and uh specifically one for the skin but you've named the flex beam and, and in our you know little not so little anymore but in our biohacking community uh, the flex beam is, is definitely uh, creating waves, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, uh, so what is the flex beam uh, and why do, do you feel like you should be mentioning it specifically? Like, what, you know, what's different about it? Yeah, when it first came out, I was fascinated by it because I'm on the go. Yeah. Uh, I didn't own a panel at that time a couple of years ago. And I felt like also part of the reason I didn't own a panel was because I didn't necessarily have the time. Now I sit in front of my panel when I meditate in the morning and I'm like, oh, I could have been doing this stack the whole time, but I didn't always have the time to stand in front of a panel, sit in front of a panel. And then just sometimes, quite frankly, I want to, I'm sitting outside in the morning sunshine if it's, if it's nice out or I'm trying to get, you know, light on my skin, fresh air, et cetera, when I'm meditating and I'm not um, stacking all the hacks. But 
what fascinated me about FlexBeam in the beginning was it is portable and targeted. I can charge it in a wall charger. I do not have to have it plugged in, which is not true about anything else from a red light therapy standpoint. It's a device that's like on the go and can come with you and it's Velcroable. So you can literally like strap it on your body anywhere you have an injury or scar tissue, or you'd want to have like just an, you're energizing your mitochondria at a very base level. And there's a lot of positive downstream effects about red light therapy, as, as you know, but just for listeners, as it's like, sometimes with red light therapy, it's like, here's the 40 things it gives you as benefit. And it's just when you're affecting your body at a cellular energetic level, there's so many things that go right with that. And so um, I utilize it a lot because of my fitness training, because I was training so much uh, at the gym and I wanted to potentiate, there's a lot of research around red light therapy when it is targeted and when it is very close to your skin. So a lot of times we see like from a website standpoint, red light devices or social media, someone's like, maybe the red light device is there and we're six feet away from it. And it's a beautiful photo, but it's not really doing the job, right? We or, have to be the model, or if the model has their clothes on. <laughs> I know. I know. Red light's got to be on. You got to be naked as possible. It's like, um, you met Freddie. I know I mentioned him before, but like, you know, Freddie stands, does an Instagram live lots of mornings where he's like, naked in front of his red light panel with his cup of coffee. And I just think it's the funniest thing ever, but it's reality. It's like, you, you want to yeah. be as little close as possible, save with the ice bath, little close as possible. And then also as close to the red light device. Well, flex beam just literally Velcros and straps on you. It's like, you've, you've seen it, but anyone who's actually watching the video, might as well just show them what it looks like. So it's like this wonderful device. And then it's got these three segments and you can stack it on your shoulder and like Velcro it around. And you can put it, I put it at night around my diaphragmatic attachment points uh, or before breath work. So it gives me tactile feedback for that, helps open up the diaphragm and really like my breathing patterns. I use it for, I mean, everything. It's not recommended to be used on your face skin because it's a little bit of a different type of skin. Although I will see people hang it from their neck and have it you know, a little bit further away. But it is, it's an amazing device because I, in LA and here even, but in LA, when I was driving back and forth to this outdoor gym during quarantine, I could just strap it on my shoulders before I did my workout. There's research that shows that the red light potentiates HGH and uh, muscle development and all of that and really helps um, set, you, set you up for a really solid strength building workout. And so I would put it on my shoulders before I did upper body work or put it on my legs. I had a little hamstring injury to help with recovery. And how great is it that I don't, I just charge it, put it on me and go about my day and it runs on 10 minute cycles. So you just run it as much as you need and, and a couple of 10 minute cycles during the course of the day and you're good to go. And, and I love that about it. It's like portable and it's like, I'm, yeah. I'm a busy gal. Uh, I, I, you know, just full disclosure for, I used the, my device for just about six, seven months and then called the company and was like, how can I get more involved with you guys? And um, I've since worked as their global brand ambassador at some events and, and I carry it around with me all the time because it's just, I've reaped the benefits of it in, in such a strong way. Um, but yeah, that's the, the word to everyone on red light in general too, is also make sure that you're staying close to the, if it's the flex beam, it's easy because it's on you and it's also affordable, right? So you're talking about $500 or less price point where some of the panels and other things can be quite expensive. So people have budgets to deal with. Um, but whatever red light device you choose, we want to make sure that we're getting in proximity to it because just like, you know, uh, it's like with EMF, if you like standing with your nose on the microwave, 
you're getting a lot of EMF. The further you get away, the faster it's dropping off. And so the same with red light, the benefits drop off very quickly the further you get away or if you have clothes on, <laughs> like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so definitely. And I'm gonna actually, two interesting things that you that you that you said but that that from my perspective as someone has who has really you know have been in, in in the development of light therapy products for a long time that really spoke to me specifically uh the first one is about the what we call the the uh, inverse law which means the inverse square time, principle yeah exactly so every time we double the, the distance from a light source we actually lose the energy squared and, uh, and this is a uh, the the uh, the function looks like looks like a hockey stick as far as how we lose energy. So very 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 quickly, it is ineffective. Yeah. Very quickly, and vice versa. So if it's if it's very close to us, it, the the effects are you know are are much greater greater, especially as you alluded to our inner more tissue. Um, yeah. And the other thing that that really spoke to me is is another. Another principle where um, a lot of people are asking themselves, well, if, if money wasn't an issue at all, why wouldn't I just buy a red light therapy bed like are becoming popular in like medical spas and, and athletic performance institutes mm -hmm. uh, in the United States right now, uh, such as obviously the gold standard of that is like Thor laser mm -hmm. and there are other ones as well. Um, and, and the reason is, is because your body is literally counting the amount of nitric oxide uh, you're releasing. So the thing that, 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 that helps you uh, carry out or dilates blood vessels and helps more oxygen gets, get to uh, where you want it and helps you with recovery, et cetera. Uh, it's kind of counting how much is it releasing as to how much stimulation. And if you wanna treat something specific, such as, for example, you, you mentioned like, Velcroing the device on your shoulder. So if we really need that um, healing energy directed at our shoulder, we would be reaping way more benefits if it was directed only at our shoulder than in our, on our entire body at once. So this is a very, you know, inspiring device. And I was very skeptical in the beginning when I saw it. First of all, as you mentioned, no, no. Um, it doesn't have to be attached, you know, it's, it's, it's cordless. So yeah. you don't have to attach it to anything. You can walk around, it's, it's portable. And that normally implies low amounts of energy, but it actually emits a lot of energy. And that, that is kind of why it's not recommended for the face, right? Because it could get, you know, quite warm. Um, yeah. And the wavelengths is a combination of red light and near infrared light. And it, uh, the wavelengths penetrate 10 millimeters into the skin, depending on the setting you have, if it's a combo or whatnot. But it's definitely strong enough. And like, you know, we always have to be careful with people and their, their mm -hmm. skin on their face. The, the number one question I get about it beyond putting it on my their face is any man who has it will always write me. Even if I've just given it to them, yeah. they always ask me in the in front, in, in person, they're like, how do I put it on my testicles to boost testosterone? That's like always the question they ask. And it's like different kind of skin, different protocol. If you ask Flexbeam, I mean, from a company standpoint, right, their stance is going to be like, hey, that's, not a protocol we put out publicly yeah. in any way, but there are ways to utilize red light if you're cautious in that regard, right? To be able to like boost testosterone in, in other ways on, on the on the boys. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's like people always have those questions. I think they come up a lot, valid to ask. A hundred percent. And also for, if uh, I think we would be remiss, even though this is a more, 
you know what? I think it's, it applies for men and women both. Um, it's a very, you know, if you lay down and, and kind of uh, put it on top of your, your head, it's also something that can, that can increase uh, the health of our hair follicles. So it's, it's a great tool to also use for hair growth or thickening yeah, yeah. of whatever we want to uh, call it. So yeah, amazing. Light therapy is definitely a, a something that should be a staple with anyone that can. Uh, what else would you say are uh, things that you like to play around with? You, you, you know, you did mention breath, and I feel like this is an underutilized biohack because this is a real biohack. Like this is how we. <laughs> and people are like, "How boring! It's breathing. I'm doing it all the time." But it's like really a thing. I think pe people should be more focused on, wow, that's a commitment I should really commit to doing rather than, I don't know in what capacity it would be boring if people really knew what like tumor breathing or whatever, whatever you would like to recommend to people to begin with. And I would like you to speak about it, but I think commitment and, you know, mental toughness is, is, a, is a more of a challenge than boredom in, in, as far as breathing goes. Yeah, I mean, there's so many benefits to breathing. I just recently was having a conversation with someone about the things we don't talk about with breath, which is like, you know, quite often, it's not like this all over the world, but there's like a taboo about talking about sex and orgasm and all of that. And like, there is a capacity for us to be able to utilize the breath to create heightened, more heightened experiences that are like sexual experiences with ourselves or our partners, you know, whatever whatever kind of partner you have, or if it's just you, right? You can utilize the breath for that, for those kinds of heightened experiences. And, um, you know, tantric practitioners have known that for a long time. And, and, and there's, other, there's other ways to kind of utilize that to be able to create a bond in relationship with your partner that maybe you didn't have before, right? This level of intimacy, this doesn't even necessarily mean having an orgasm, but just a level of intimacy to be able to co-regulate with your partner in a specific way. And I think just backing out of some of that, right, which is it's important to talk about, right? Um, you know, breath can shift our nervous system state, can make us feel safe, can make us clear emotion, can can the right kind of breath work. If we're talking about breakthrough or transformational breath work, um, it can really like it can create enough disassociation in the brain because you're 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 having a physiological response that you can start to unpeel the layers of some like micro trauma or trauma that's happened in your life, right? Creating journeys for yourself. It's like I don't do a lot of this online, but I, I do, uh, I have small private groups of men and women and one-on-one -on -one work that I work with on clients out of my home that I do breathwork experiences, cold exposure experiences. And a lot of that is really deep work. It is to be able to have emotional release of things that aren't serving us anymore. And being able to have a space that feels safe enough with a practitioner who you can feel safe with to have a few tears or have some laughter or be angry in a, in a place that is comfortable and you know while I'm holding a container for someone while I'm saying okay you're I'm creating this I'm holding the space for you to create a container that you feel comfortable that all your shit is welcome all your emotions all of the things that you need to process and breath can really help with that um, not to mention you know breath can help with with performance training when you're doing fitness if you want to become a better athlete and it can help you manage stress and it can help you sleep better I mean there's so many pieces of it I think the confusion in breath lies in number one, we're here, we're doing it all the time. So how can I be doing it wrong? And there is no real wrong or right, but there are biomechanical ways you can breathe less efficiently. 
And it's nerdy science. Like some of it, you have to talk about the body and the lungs and the, the oxygen disassociation curve and how CO2 creates oxygen uptake. I mean, it's like people don't, people are like, that's a lot, just give me a protocol. Um, and then it's popularization has brought, you know, I don't, will not cite anyone who's trying to bring more breath to the world, but I will say it's popularization has brought many, many practitioners that are like, cool, let's just breathe. This is how it's going to be. And there's, there's misinformation around that in some cases, right? Nobody's intentionally trying to do anything negative in, in the world of breathing. We're all trying all of the breath work and the light workers in the world are trying to bring more breath to be able to get people to be more open and receptive and self-loving and um there are a lot of people also out there doing it just for the sake of doing it and there, there's ways that you know i i'm not gonna if someone's coming to me highly stressed and highly upset i potentially depending on their situation wouldn't be like hyperventilating superventilating them overkill for half an hour 50 minutes or whatever to be able to create an emotional response because their body's already taxed I may ride yeah. them through a wave of different styles of breath, but I'm going to make sure that they're safe, that we're having some conversation first, that I'm going to start them and take them on a bit of a journey and end them in a calm space, down-regulated nervous system state in, hope, in hopes that I can help them process th through that, right? And it doesn't always have to take an hour. You could take five minutes and totally shift your state if you have a microdose of stress at work or you have something else coming up. Um, and, and yeah, I want people to use breath. Uh, part of the reason I... I you know, I aggregate a lot of things, but I spend a lot of time around breath and cold exposure because, and I like to say, you know, I, I believe and I'm an expert in those areas um, with a decent amount of reach. And those things are, are quintessential to recovery, quintessential to living our best selves, like living into the people we want to be. And I think quintessential to like communicating across, you know, we're all human, we're all humankind. We're not always going to agree on everything and to really be able to communicate calmly and safely with other men and women in the world, other people in the world. If we can be in a place of like foundation and good breathing mechanics, we can really listen to each other better. 100% and to attest to uh, what you were saying, first of all, when we first met, you know, the first, we, we basically, uh, I got introduced to you by you uh, taking uh, me and, and, and a group together on a small breath journey before we, we kind of conversed. So, so definitely I can attest to five minutes of breath work and definitely uh, create a shift, uh, a, a shift in, in communication. And you know, we, uh, Young Goose, the company that, that this podcast is by, we just presented at A4M, the American Academy mm -hmm. for Anti-Aging Medicine. And the most talked about, the most popular, uh, most exciting thing in the conference was this uh, breath tent that was built in the center and people were having real uh, life, you know, affecting experiences there. It was, it was beautiful to see that, that this type of biohack that really is a the, 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 maybe the basis of our community, um, doing something that is not easy, something difficult, taking upon yourself something difficult and, and improving your life with it, which is, um, which is really different than, than some of the things that are, are trying to be sold to the community, which are like quick, quick fixes, et cetera. Um, it's, it was heartwarming to see it's, it's being displayed in such a fa fashion in the uh, forefront of what is the medical side of our. Yes, our, thank uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. And obviously not, 
not everything is as far as what you know there was no Morocco forge wasn't there like uh, cold exposure wasn't very very prevalent there there was uh what i loved seeing was hyperbaric chamber mm-hmm. was uh, front and center there and then you know that is a very important staple of, of, of you know healthy longevity um and and that is you know maybe talking about why us as a company why we have a podcast we call it biohacking beauty and we talk very little about you know the the um the appearance of of the person is because as as you and i conversed before the podcast began beauty comes from the inside not only metaphorically but also physically optimizing our body de facto optimizes the most apparent biggest organ of our body which is our skin Mm. and uh kind of maximizes the potential uh and and this is important, obviously, uh, to men, to women, to anyone who defines themselves wherever that's part of our identity. Mm. Um, and I think that that is probably the, uh, the, the secret um, you know, need that a lot of people are having when they're going through their longevity journey. They want to look better. Yeah. And I also want to honor the work that you're doing with Young Goose because it's really... Um, like we talked about earlier, I'm like five days into um, switching all my skincare products over and feeling really like there is this beautiful balance of the way that it, it, it works with my skin and how it makes me feel. And, you know, there is something to be said for weather conditions, environment, all the things, and then really like what and how we can get the right things into our skin, because there are you know, environmental toxins, there are so many things and there's so many ways that people are putting things on their skin, on their hair, on their nails, et cetera, that are just not good for us, right? It's creating a level of toxicity and not creating a level of healing. And so I just want to honor the work that you're doing as well. And just, um, you know, so far I've been loving the products, <laughs> like the eye cream, the everything, like it's just really beautiful. So I, I want to I do want to share some gratitude around that work you're doing because I know it's not easy and you're in a sea of lots of skincare products that are showing up in ways that are, um, you know, there are many, many skincare products out there that are just not, they have a lot of chemicals. I think chemicals can be done in some regard. All right. But many of them have chemicals that are really bad for us. Yeah. You know, that's something, a, a, a conversation I normally don't have, you know, publicly. Um, but it, it, it is my truthful opinion is that we call ourselves the world's first biohacking skincare. Mm. But truthfully, every skincare is is biohacking, right? What we're doing is we're taking something that our body didn't make itself, or at that instance, obviously didn't make itself. Yeah. Uh, and we're communicating, we're using it to communicate something to our body, you know, make more collagen, hold hold, hold this water for me, whatever that yeah. means. <laughs> yeah. uh, there is a there is a communi- biocommunication there. And when we say we're the first biohacking skincare, we're the first skincare to grow out of this community mm-hmm. and translate the essence of this community into, into applicable topical products. That's, that's basically the point behind it. And I'm very, very, very glad you, you, you like the products. They, are made, they were made for exactly someone like you. So, yeah. so it's very important. And yeah. uh, you know, going back to internal health and, and what we can do in, in order to improve 
our wellness in general, holistic wellness, uh, I stress often that we need to use specialists, aggregators such as yourself, if we want to optimize our time, which is also something that, that people such as yourself are specializing in, how can we create the, the most amount of impact in the least amount of time so we can do other things with our lives, whatever is important to us. Totally. So it's very, it's very important for me uh, to communicate well how people can reach, reach out to you mm -hmm. and uh, where they can be exposed to you in the best way. Um, where would that be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if anyone's in Austin or the area around Texas that I'm in, it's very easy to find me um, in person. I do a lot of work around breath and cold exposure at, at my place. We're sort of set up a, a mini facility. And um, I also have, it's online, I have clients that are all over the world. So women predominantly, when it's not in the breath and exposure world, where I do, um, do work with men and women, but I work with females physiological females in my online course, which is called Wow Factor. So warriorwomanmode.com and at warriorwomanmode on Instagram, there's links to everything. It's pretty easy to find um, links to the online course, as well as, um, yeah, people wanting to work with me or DM me or ask me any questions. I get a lot of DMs through Instagram, some emails, but yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Great. And, and uh, you, you should be reached out to. We, we have just literally scratched the surface of, of uh, the knowledge that you can provide, which is, which is super, super impressive. Highly recommended. Uh, thank you again, uh, Kristen. It was a, an enlightening conversation and, and I really hope we can do it again soon in the future. As yeah. far as how to reach you, everything will be in the description as well. Uh, okay. So thank you again. Amazing. Yeah, it's so nice to see your face in person here. And I know we've been trying to dance around and get together and have this conversation and let's keep it going. I'm wishing you the most beautiful holiday season and we're going to roll into the new year and 2022 is going to be a banner year for us both. So um, I'm excited to kind of grow this relationship and continue to, to hear the beautiful, the beautiful things you're putting in the world. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I love you so much and uh, stay in touch for sure, okay? And I appreciate everybody who's listened in today. Thank you, everyone. And uh, Kristen, I wish you a beautiful holiday season, amazing 2022. And uh, yeah, take care.